the urgency of legally dismantling the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, becomes more compelling with each passing day. New details of their lawlessness and corruption on this edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 240 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Thursday, September 15th, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. But when the Lord closed that door, he opened this one, and we have been blessed to have racked up more than 350,000 downloads in less than a year. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to those vaccines, though. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to mention. And August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you would like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com. Click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. All right. Did you hear what the FBI did to Mike Liddell? Mike Liddell, the MyPillow guy, had gone down to northern Iowa to do some hunting with a friend. He was on his way back. He stopped at a Hardee's drive through hamburger place in Mankato, Minnesota, southern Minnesota, rural southern Minnesota, town he grew up in. And all of a sudden, the FBI showed up, a bunch of cars, hemmed them in, said, we got a search warrant for your phone. Are you going to arrest me? No. No, I just got a warrant for your phone. Um, well, I don't want to give it away. Here he is. Here he is. Today, the FBI, uh, you're going to hear this, and you're probably already hearing it in the news. The FBI came after me and took my phone. They surrounded me at a Hardee's and uh, took my phone that I run all my business, everything with. Um, um, they could have just, what we've done is weaponize the FBI. Um, it's disgusting. I don't have a computer. Everything I do have that phone, everything was on there. And, uh, um, and they told me not to tell anybody. Here's an order not to, don't tell anybody. Okay, I won't. <laughs> well, I am. So, um, just another reason the FBI needs to be dismantled, right? I mean, uh, ordinarily, like an hour or so into this thing, we do the tweet of the day. But I need I need to get this off right now at the top of the show. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show tweet of the day. 
Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, the big old car dealership in the middle of the United States of America that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online and have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. Tweet of the day. I got a twofer today. First of all, Mike Davis, who I interviewed on episode 225. If you haven't listened to it yet, you need to. Mike Davis has two screenshots. One is a screenshot saying Mike Lindell says FBI seized his phone at Hardy's in Mankato, Minnesota. That's a tie-in with the soundbite we just played. The other, from Fox News, from July 25th this year, says, Senator Grassley presses DOJ, FBI for transparency on partisan politicization of agencies and Hunter Biden probe. Grassley alleges the Biden DOJ and FBI illegally suppressed info on Hunter Biden. So Mike Davis's tweet says, sell pillows? FBI raid. Sell White House? No FBI raid. Okay, I said this is going to be a twofer. So we have the great attorney, Harmeet Dillon, founder of Dillon Law, founder of the Liberty Center. And she says if the FBI shows up at your door or your mom's door or a friend's door just to chat, get their business cards. And then don't speak to them without first seeking the advice of counsel who will ideally reach out and arrange a mutually convenient time and preparation. You're welcome. And then she says, oh, you can't afford an attorney? Well, stop telling mean lawyer jokes and try befriending one or two. We have been known to help our friends. One of the responses said, What if they demand something like the way that they demanded Mike Lindell's phone? She said, they were executing a search warrant. You should ask to review the warrant and regardless cooperate with a search warrant. Then call a lawyer and get going on contesting any aspects of the search that might have been unlawful. Somebody else responded, "Most most of us can't afford a lawyer particularly now that we can't afford to drive or keep the lights on or eat. Lawful? There is no law but what they tell us it is. Law and justice are dead. America was shot and killed by these communists, and we all watched. So, a lot of frustration out there, a lot of anger out there. Gee, I wonder why. I wonder why. Okay. Uh, By the way, thank you again, Red River Your Way, for sponsoring the tweet of the day. Now, let me get to this. The great Margot Cleveland over at TheFederalist.com has an article entitled FBI Paid for Russian Disinformation to Frame Trump and Seven Other Takeaways from Durham's Latest Court Filing. Hang on just a second. I got to get some throat spray. 
Okay, sorry to keep you waiting. Um, by the way, I recommend if you have a, a sore throat coming on, just a scratchy throat, or, or like me, maybe not a sore throat, but you've been up all night and you have to talk, um, I recommend anything with echinacea in it, E-C-H-I-N-A-C-E-A. It is uh, an herb, naturally grows out of the ground, and if you go to a health food store and get some kind of spray with echinacea in it, it will really help you. All right, the FBI paid for Russian disinformation to frame Trump and seven other takeaways from Durham's latest court filing. This is the article by Margot Cleveland at The Federalist. Subtitled, Our Federal Government Paid for Russian Disinformation to Frame the President of the United States for Colluding with Russia. Here's what it says. The FBI put a contributor to the Hillary Clinton campaign's Donald Trump smear dossier on FBI payroll as a confidential human source after investigating Igor Danchenko for allegedly spying for the Russian government. This is what special counsel John Durham revealed in a court filing unsealed by a Virginia federal court on Tuesday. The filing contains this bombshell and seven other significant details about the Democrat-led plot to use U.S. intelligence agencies to deny Americans the result of their choice for president in 2016. I wonder if we're going to have the uh, investigation about how they denied Americans their choice for president in 2020. But anyway, the FBI made Danchenko a confidential human source, providing him and the FBI's use of him national security cover in March 2017, and didn't terminate that designation until October 2020, according to the court filing unsealed on September 13th. Danchenko is the originator of the false claim trumpeted all over global media that Donald Trump told prostitutes to pee on beds that the Obamas had slept on a month earlier in a Russian hotel. The FBI had previously targeted Danchenko, Christopher Steele's primary source, as a possible Russian agent. But after discovering Danchenko's identity as Christopher Steele's subsource number one, rather than investigate whether Danchenko had been feeding Steele Russian disinformation, the FBI paid Danchenko, put him on the payroll as a confidential human source. Now, this Danchenko guy, why are we talking about him? Well, he faces trial next month on five counts of lying to the FBI related to his role as Christopher Steele's primary subsource. Stick with me here. One count of the indictment concerned Danchenko's denial during an FBI interview, June 15, 2017, of having spoken with a person they call PR Executive One, about any material contained in the Steele dossier. PR Executive One has since been identified as Charles Dolan Jr., who is connected to the Clinton campaign and the Democrat National Committee. Also, according to Special Counsel John Durham's office, Danchenko fed Christopher Steele at least two false claims about Donald Trump that originated in part from this Charles Dolan Jr. guy, okay? 
The four other counts of the indictment concerned Danchenko's allegedly false claims that he had spoken with a source whom he believed was the then president of the Russian-American Chamber of Commerce, Sergei Millian. Danchenko repeated that assertion during several different FBI interviews. Danchenko's trial again begins next month, but two weeks ago. As part of the pretrial process, the government filed a, what they call a motion in limine, which seeks a ruling from the court on the admissibility of various evidence. While originally filed under seal, the court ordered the docket entry unsealed on Tuesday, making public more details about the case against the Russian national. So, here's an overview of what we learned Tuesday. First of all, while it has previously been reported that Danchenko was a subject of an FBI counterintelligence investigation from 2009 to 2011, the special counsel's motion revealed more specifics. Specifically, the prosecution explained that in late 2008, while the defendant, Igor Danchenko, was employed by a prominent think tank in Washington, D.C., the defendant engaged two fellow employees about whether one of the employees might be willing or able in the future to provide classified information in exchange for money. The court filing continued, according to one employee, Danchenko thought the employee might be in a position to enter the incoming Obama administration and have access to classified information. Danchenko allegedly then told the employee he had access to people who would be willing to pay money in exchange for classified information. The think tank employee relayed the information to a government contact who passed it on to the FBI. The FBI then initiated a preliminary investigation into Danchenko, but converted it into a full investigation after learning Danchenko had been identified as an associate of two FBI counterintelligence subjects and had previous contact with a Russian embassy and known Russian intelligence officers. Special Counsel John Durham also noted that Danchenko had also informed one Russian intelligence officer that he had interest and entering the Russian diplomatic service. The special counsel further revealed the FBI closed its investigation in 2010 after incorrectly concluding Danchenko had left the country. In its motion in Limine, John Durham's team argues this evidence is important to its case because it will establish that Danchenko's lies to the FBI were material, specifically the FBI argues that had Danchenko truthfully told the FBI that he had discussed some of the content in the dossier with this Dolan character, friend of Bill and Hillary and friend of the DNC, the FBI might have interviewed Dolan or obtained Dolan's emails. That line of inquiry would have revealed the possibility that Danchenko was a Russian asset, the special counsel's motion argues, noting that Dolan on two separate occasions stated in emails dated June 10, 2016 and January 13, 2017, that he believed the defendant, Igor Danchenko, was formerly of the FSB, 
you know, the Russian agency, and a Russian agent. Had the FBI learned from Dolan that Danchenko was connected to the Russian intelligence services, Durham argues this naturally would have or should have caused investigators to revisit the prior counterintelligence investigation and raised the prospect that the defendant might have, in fact, been under the control or guidance of the Russian intelligence services. Now, while this revelation is spicy, Danchenko's attorneys will quickly dispatch this argument by pointing out that if the FBI's own counterintelligence investigation into Danchenko that included the details noted above didn't raise the prospect that Danchenko was under the control or guidance of the Russian intelligence services, surely Dolan's beliefs would not alter the trajectory of the investigation. Furthermore, because this evidence consists of character or bad acts evidence, even if it helps the government build its materiality argument, the court will likely rule it inadmissible as unfairly prejudicial to Danchenko, meaning that it may cause a jury to wrongly convict Danchenko because of his past conduct, not because of his current alleged crime. Okay. The next category we have, the FBI paid for Russian disinformation to target a U.S. president. What, 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 what? You're saying what? A second shocker from the September 13th court filing concerned Danchenko's hiring as a paid confidential human source. The special counsel revealed in the motion in March 2017, the FBI signed the defendant up as a paid confidential human source of the FBI. It was not until October 2020 that the FBI terminated its source relationship with Danchenko. Simply put, our federal government paid for Russian disinformation to frame the President of the United States for colluding with Russia. The FBI did this knowing that Danchenko was associate of two FBI counterintelligence subjects, in other words, people they were surveilling, right? They did this knowing that Danchenko had previous contact with the Russian embassy and known Russian intelligence officers. They did it also having been informed one Russian intelligence officer that he had interest in entering the Russian diplomatic service. Yeah, that's what Danchenko told them. They knew. And according to a think tank employee, suggested he had contacts willing to purchase classified information from the U.S. government. So they knew all that, and they paid him for Russian disinformation to target President Trump anyway. Also, the FBI and special counsel Robert Mueller's team continued to use Danchenko as a paid confidential human source, even knowing his stories were fabrications. In fact, Mueller's team was so focused on getting Trump, it completely ignored whether the Steele dossier included 
Russian disinformation. You remember? You remember when uh, when Mueller, after the report came out, had to go under oath in Congress? He's like, Fusion GPS, what's that? I don't know. Steel dossier, I don't know. They should all be in prison for the rest of their lives. This is treason, in my humble opinion. And you're entitled to it. Next revelation, Hillary paid for Russian disinformation too. Not only, I mean, this is one of the most important articles I think I've ever shared with you. Is anybody else talking about this? I hope so, but I don't know. I do show prep 24-7. I don't have time to watch or listen to anybody else. The article continues. Not only did the FBI pay for Russian disinformation, so did Hillary Clinton, and she did so to interfere in the 2016 election. The public already knew from John Durham's failed prosecution of Clinton campaign attorney Michael Sussman that the campaign paid Fusion GPS for opposition research. Fusion, in turn, hired Christopher Steele to dig up dirt on Donald Trump. That trial also revealed that Hillary Clinton personally approved pushing a smaller aspect of the Russia collusion hoax, namely the Alpha Bank secret communications hoax. From Tuesday's filing, we now know the primary subsource for the Christopher Steele dossier, paid for by Hillary Clinton, was not merely a Russian national who fabricated the intel, but also a suspected Russian agent. Tuesday's motion also highlighted the fact that longtime Hillary Clinton backer Dolan maintained a relationship with several high-ranking Russian government officials who appear in the Steele reports. So for all her vapors, oh my goodness, my stars and goddess, for all her vapors over Donald Trump's supposed connections with Russia and his supposed collusion with Russia to interfere in the election, the evidence shows that Hillary Clinton actually holds that dishonor. The next category, revelations, from Tuesday's filing is called Lies, Damn Lies, and Sources. John Durham's motion also revealed what appears to be the tradecraft of the spooks for hire. For you young folks, spook is another name for spy. In the form of a February 24, 2016 email, Igor Danchenko sent to his former boss, a guy named Jink Sidar. Now, Sidar, who ran the business intelligence firm Sidar Globak, asked Igor Danchenko to review a report he had prepared. After reviewing the draft, Danchenko emailed Sidar recommendations on how to improve the report including the following suggestion. He said, emphasize sources, make them bold or capitalized. The more sources, the better. If you lack them, use oneself as a source. Say something like Istanbul, Washington-based businessman or whatever to save the situation and make it look a bit better. So pretend that you're somebody else. Use yourself as a source. The government seeks to admit this email to show that Igor Danchenko followed a similar or common plan when working for Christopher Steele by creating sources to, in a word, save the situation. Such as what the prosecution maintains Danchenko did with Sergey Million. 
This argument holds merit, and the trial court accordingly will likely allow John Durham's team to tell the jury about the email. Next, the FBI's investigation makes Maxwell Smart from the old Get Smart TV show look like Jack Ryan. While corruption may be a better explanation than incompetence, either way, the special counsel's brief leaves the FBI looking like fools. First, the Bureau closed an investigation on a suspected Russian asset after wrongly thinking Danchenko had left the country. Then, the FBI paid that suspected Russian agent to serve as a confidential human source with Danchenko then telling agents a litany of lies, including ones that should have been obvious. For example, as special counsel's motion highlights, Danchenko claimed to agents that Sergei Millian might be the source for the infamous P-tape info, which, of course, never happened. But those allegations appeared in Christopher Steele's report dated June 20, 2016, and Danchenko repeatedly informed the FBI that the first and only time he allegedly communicated with Sergey Millian was late July 2016, so like a month later. Special counsel wrote, Put bluntly, these facts demonstrate that the defendant could not keep his lies straight and that the defendant engaged in a concerted effort to deceive the FBI about the sourcing or lack thereof of the Steele reports. Unless they were corrupt, this indicates the FBI agents investigating Trump were a bunch of incompetent boobs. The special counsel's team further exposed the incompetence or corruption of the FBI when it introduced the public to a guy named Bemd Kulin, a German citizen who serves as the general manager of the Ritz-Carlton Moscow in June 2016 when the P-tape tale was purportedly sourced. This, this is just disgusting. This is ridiculous. The Christopher Steele dossier described the source as a senior Western member of staff at the hotel. According to Special Counsel Durham, this bend cooling guy is prepared to testify at Igor Danchenko's trial that at the time he was the only Western member of management at the hotel. Kulin will also testify they never heard any story resembling Steele's reporting until it became public and never discussed those claims with Igor Danchenko. If six years after the fact, prosecutors could locate and question this guy, uh, Ben Kulin, well, the Crossfire Hurricane team could have done the same for Christopher Steele's reporting, quickly disproving the dossier, if they had wanted to, that is. Next revelation, Steele was duped. That's our story, and we're sticking to it. Tuesday's motion by Special Counsel John Durham revealed another unsettling fact. Prosecutors appear poised to continue with a company storyline that Christopher Steele and, in turn, the FBI were duped. In its motion, the government notes that Igor Danchenko informed Steele that he met in person with Sergey Millian on two or three occasions and that Danchenko subsequently informed the FBI that he had not, in fact, met with Sergey Millian on any occasion. So how does the special counsel address this discrepancy? Well, they say Danchenko further stated 
to the FBI that Steele incorrectly believed the defendant had met in person with Million and that Danchenko had not corrected Steele in that misimpression. Uh, so it was all just a big misunderstanding, folks, until Danchenko lied to the FBI. This short section of the motion shows Durham does not intend to expose the FBI's complicity at Danchenko's trial. While Durham may not want to put the FBI on trial, Danchenko has made clear that he intends to. Unless the special counsel's team acknowledges the FBI's role in the Russia collusion hoax, Danchenko will likely score the second acquittal, Sussman being the first a few months ago. The next revelation. Star witness says no thanks to testifying. Four of the five counts against Danchenko concern his allegedly false statements to the FBI about a telephone conversation he claimed he had with an individual he thought was Sergey Million. Under these circumstances, Million was seen to be a star witness for John Durham. But in the motion in Limine that they filed Tuesday, special counsel revealed Sergey Million refuses to testify because of concerns for his and his family's safety, who reside abroad, and because he does not trust the FBI and fears being arrested if he returns to the United States. Million remains firm in his refusal. The motion says while the government has repeatedly informed Million that it will work to ensure his security during his time in the United States, as it does with all witnesses, Million remains firm in his refusal. And who can blame him? Even if Durham can provide physical security for Million, Durham doesn't run the Department of Justice, as the recent raid on Donald Trump's home shows the deep state will go to great lengths to get its enemies. After establishing that it used its best efforts to arrange for Sergey Million to testify the Igor Danchenko trial, the government argues that because he is unavailable, as that term is legally understood, three emails Sergey Million wrote to a friend are admissible, even if they are hearsay. Those emails show that a mutual acquaintance attempted to connect Million and Danchenko, and the Million later figured out Danchenko was Christopher Steele's source who invented the story of the phone call. The government presents a persuasive argument that these emails should be admitted at trial and the court will likely agree, meaning Millian's Putin absence from the trial is unlikely to prompt an acquittal. Next category, strange Cyprus things. Final takeaway from Tuesday's filing stems from the special counsel's mention of the country of Cyprus. You know, the island in the Mediterranean. On June 10, 2016, Charles Dolan Jr., good buddy with Hillary, good buddy with the DNC, while in Cyprus meeting with Olga Galkina, another source for the defendant, emailed a U.S.-based acquaintance regarding efforts to assist the defendant in obtaining a U.S. visa. That's what the motion says. It quotes the email saying, Monday night I fly to Moscow and will meet with a Russian guy who is working with me on a couple of projects. He also works for a group of former MI6 guys in London, that's the British spy agency, who do intelligence for business. He owes me as his visa is being held up 
and I am having a word with the ambassador. Well, the special counsel's office included these details to establish that Igor Danchenko had lied to the FBI about facts beyond those contained in the indictment. This helps John Durham's case by showing Danchenko's allegedly false statements were not mere mistakes. The reference to Cyprus, however, also raises an entirely new set of questions. In addition to Charles Dolan Jr.'s presence in Cyprus June 10, 2016, where he met with another of Danchenko's sources, we have a June 1, 2016 email to President Obama's Undersecretary for State, Victoria Newland, noting that Kathleen Kavalek is recommending she look at the first 10 days of July for a trip to Cyprus. Newland made the trip July 12, 2016. On July 1, 2016, Christopher Steele emailed the DOJ's Bruce Orr, noting that Christopher Steele was traveling to Cyprus with his family on holiday from July 9th to the 16th of 2016. Victoria Newland's presence in Cyprus at the same time as Christopher Steele seems a tad too coincidental to ignore. After all, Newland, who served as Kathleen Kavlek's boss at the Bureau of European and Eurasian Affairs, was a government official who approved an FBI agent in Rome meeting Christopher Steele in early July 2016. Steele would later also meet with Kavalek in D.C. October 2016 about his Trump reporting. Jonathan Weiner. I'm sorry there's so many names, but it's worth following. Jonathan Weiner, who knew Christopher Steele since 2009 and reportedly met with Steele in the summer of 2016, appears to have arranged the meeting between Steele and Kathleen Kavalek. The overlapping players and time frame demand answers. Did Christopher Steele meet with Victoria Newland in Cyprus? If so, was Christopher Steele alerted to Victoria Newland's travel plans? What did the duo discuss? Did Steele or Newland meet with Charles Dolan Jr. or the Cyprus subsource? While Cyprus may well be a nothing burger, the FBI launched a full investigation into Trump's presidential campaign on less than that. It's extremely unlikely that Igor Danchenko's trial will answer any of these Cyprus questions, but future filings and the anticipated week-plus trial may fill in some of the other Spygate blanks. That is Margot Cleveland, senior legal correspondent at thefederalist.com. But i got to tell you this. If this Igor Danchenko guy can make the case stick, that he told the FBI there was nothing to the Steele dossier. It was all made up. And they hired him for three and a half years, put him on the payroll just to keep him keep his mouth shut. Oh, man. A lot of people should be going to prison. Well, a lot of people should be going to, should be going to prison anyway, but you know what I'm saying. Now, I got more bombshell blockbuster stuff. This is another show. I guess this is what? Part six, why the FBI needs to be dismantled as soon as possible. Oh, buddy, do I have more. A lot more coming up. But first, let me remind you how blessed we are to be able to do the Doc Washburn Show five times a week, even though I do crazy things like doing it in the middle of the night. I just do it whenever I finish the show prep. 
And if it takes all night, then, you know, I wind up doing it with the, the dawn the next morning. But anyway, we are so thankful to our advertisers for making it possible for us to do this show. There are two ways to support the show. One is to be an advertiser or, for that matter, to patronize our advertisers. The other way is to be a patron at DocWashburn.com. Anyway, thank you so much to our advertisers, our friends, for making this possible. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else. Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401k or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there. And there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. 
You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Thank you so much again to our advertisers, our friends, Dr. J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree. Our friends, advertisers, and there are doctors, too. They have helped my wife and me and so many people that we know so much at TurnMyPowerOn.com. Also, Jonathan Presswood, Edward Jones, financial advisor, and Mitch Ward, proprietor of RedRiverYourWay.com. We really appreciate you guys so much for making it possible for us to do what we do here five times a week. So I can do this and don't have to go do something else. Hmm? Oh, yeah, yeah, we sure. There are room for a couple more advertisers, but uh, we really appreciate this. Now, well, let me, um, let me get, back, get back to the FBI. Because this is a big deal. The great uh, Greg Price proprietor of X Strategies LLC, said, so Igor Danchenko, who worked with Christopher Steele to fabricate Russian collusion for Hillary Clinton, was not only a Russian agent, but also a paid FBI informant. But Robert Mueller spent two years and millions of tax dollars investigating and somehow didn't include that in his report. And Maggie Haberman, Washington Post, her Pulitzer Prize for reporting on Russia is worth about as much as the ring pop. Again, the FBI put him on the payroll to keep his mouth shut, right? I mean, that's certainly what it looks like. Now, while we're at it, Katie Pavlich, the great Katie Pavlich says, Inflation is like a runaway freight train, and the only way it stops is with a giant, ugly economic crash. Buckle up. To which the great Matt Whitlock 
a Republican communicator who used to work in Congress, says, this is 100% right. And I would add that with their trillions in new, wildly unnecessary spending, Democrats have strapped a full ton of dynamite to make the crash so much more painful than it needed to be. And that pain will hit middle-class families the hardest. To which the great John Hayward over at Breitbart says Biden's handlers are waging a very deliberate, calculated war against the American middle class, and this is absolutely the end game they have in mind. A fiery crash that leaves no survivors from the old, independent voting, capitalism-friendly, politically potent middle class. I mean, I hope you guys are stocking up. So, the New York Times says Russia covertly gave at least $300 million to political parties, officials, and politicians in more than two dozen countries since 2014 and plans to transfer millions more with the goal of exerting, exerting political influence and swaying elections. The U.S. says, well, you know there's going to be some commentary on that. The great Hans Monkey, I follow a lot of great people. The great Hans Monkey says, the FBI covertly gave a known liar and Christopher Steele dossier fabricator confidential human source status with the goal of taking down a duly elected president. Fixed it for you, New York Times. Jeff Carlson over the Epic Times re- responded to him saying, everything about the FBI is broken, including its confidential human source program. The scary part is that as long-held suspicions get confirmed, absolutely nothing happens. Okay? So then... There's a response there. I wish I knew who this guy is. Calls himself Kingmaker, big if true. Independent thinker, eternally skeptical, crusty old lawyer. Manny Sharp. He responds, the FBI made a devil's bargain with Danchenko and who knows who else. Kind of like we'll pay you keep you hidden and out of the reach of Congress, and in turn, you will keep your mouth shut. When the bargain was over and Danchenko wasn't being paid anymore, he did this. And there's a screenshot of him in October 2020 after his last check cleared saying, hello, I'm back on Twitter with a new account, looking forward to catching up. It's five days after he lost his confidential human source status. Um, but I've got more. 
from Kingmaker Big If True. Oh, boy, do I have more. He says, the longer I stew about learning Tuesday that Danchenko was in the FBI's payroll as a confidential human source for more than three and a half years, the angrier I get at John Durham. The issue is not so much materiality as it is how Durham has exercised his prosecutorial discretion. Begin with the fact that Durham is prosecuting Danchenko for lies that had legitimate investigators heard them during the interviews. The investigators would have had a hard time keeping straight face when they heard why the tall tale about an anonymous caller spilling the beans. Consider that single 10-minute call from an anonymous caller without any background as to how some anonymous guy has any idea what he's talking about turned up in the single most important part of the Steele dossier, the foundational part for probable cause. It's frankly hard not to laugh out loud that any serious official of the FBI took the story seriously, let alone relied on it in the FISA warrant and as a foundational element in an ongoing investigation into a sitting president, all of which leads one to consider the big-picture implications of Durham's prosecution of Igor Danchenko. I'm not talking about the issue of materiality, which we've known for some time could present problems for Durham at trial. Rather, the bigger issue had to do with John Durham's exercise of prosecutorial discretion, knowing that rather than laughing at Danchenko's silly made-up story, the FBI put him on the payroll as a confidential human source. That effectively buried Danchenko in the rest of his interview. Knowing about the devil's bargain the FBI made with Danchenko, we'll pay you, keep you hidden, just keep your mouth shut. Durham had a choice. Number one, prosecute Danchenko for a few process crimes, lies that nobody really believed. Or, number two, prosecute corrupt FBI officials who chose to ignore and bury everything else Danchenko told them that the Steele dossier was essentially a hoax consisting of rumors, speculation, and bar talk, and not only bury the interview but hide the interviewee under the cloak of being a confidential human source because these confidential human sources are among those privileged, quote, sources and methods, unquote. The FBI goes to such lengths to protect. In the first week of March 2017, the FBI higher-ups made a scripted presentation to the new DOJ officials about the status of the Russiagate investigation. As Lisa Page's talking point memo makes clear, the FBI, including James Comey, Andrew McCabe, Peter Strzok, etc., recommended pursuing the investigation into a sitting president and his campaign. But guess what they hid in that presentation? They said nothing about what Danchenko told them about their probable cause being based on bar talks, rumors, and a 10-minute anonymous phone call. The highest FBI officials buried that information, and that same month, they effectively buried the person who told it to them. So back to John Durham's choice. He was presented with in the exercise of his prosecutorial discussion. He chose to pursue the guy who blew the whistle on the phony Steele dossier, and he let those FBI officials, the smartest people in the room, slide. And that, 
that good people is not justice. Yeah. That's not justice. So, I mean, the, the question is, will we ever see justice? Not even going to lie, fam. I, I, I can't call it. I can't call it. The great Julie Kelly over on Twitter says DOJ filed another motion Tuesday begging Judge Cannon not to permit a third party to review what prosecutors insist are classified documents stolen from Trump's home. The desperation of the DOJ is palpable. What are they hiding? Oh, by the way, goalpost shift alert. Now, DOJ claims that the intelligence community, led by former John Brennan Lackey and Obama confidant Avril Haines, must determine whether Trump's declassification of documents was legit. The old sources and methods BS. On this point alone, Judge Cannon should deny the stay motion. First, no reason to trust the FBI with anything. Haven't I been telling you that? Second, the FBI is leading criminal investigation, so conflict here is obvious. They really, really, really don't want a special master to vet their claims. Why? Because they're lying. They're lying. Yep. That's true. That's exactly what they're doing. See, reasons the FBI should be dismantled. Oh, Emily Miller over the EpicTimes.com. Documents show FBI pressured people to give up their gun rights. What, 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 what? The FBI has pressured Americans to voluntarily give up their Second Amendment rights, which is potentially illegal, according to newly disclosed documents. FBI officials had Americans fill out a form that said they want the FBI to make it illegal for them to purchase or own guns forever because of a mental health condition. A national gun rights group, Gun Owners of America, is demanding the FBI remove the records from the background check database by October 8th and that Congress enforce the removals. Aidan Johnson, Director of Federal Affairs for Gun Owners of America, told the Epic Times, we've learned the FBI had no business disarming these individuals. They did not pose a threat to society. The FBI actions were wholly unlawful. Did I mention they need to be dismantled? Did I, have, I, have I said anything about that? Fifteen people filled out the forms. According to the documents, Gun Owners of America acquired through a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit. The National Instant Criminal Background Check System is how licensed gun dealers can check if a purchaser can legally own a gun. The completed self-submission forms show people gave their mental health records to the FBI and signed to accept that completion and submission of this form will result in denial of my right to purchase, to possess, and to use any firearm. See, Daddy always said to read the five fine print, but most of us don't. Article continues, there is no time frame or process given for getting back their Second Amendment rights, which is what the Gun Owners of America group is trying to do for them. Robert J. Olson, an attorney for Gun Owners of America, told the Epic Times in an interview, we have the records of 15 cases so far, but for all we know, it could be 1,500 or 15,000. 
The FBI tells us these persons were put in the NICS system, the background check system, as mentally prohibited, and there's no way to track who was entered on the basis of this form, but the burden is on the FBI to fix this because they had no power to put these people into the system in the first place. The names of personal details are redacted, and the forms are dated from 2017 to 2019. An FBI spokesperson told the Daily Caller, which first reported about these forms, that the form was discontinued in December 2019. Well, I mean, why should we believe them on anything, right? None of the 15 people who signed the form were legally prohibited from buying guns for mental health reasons because if they were legally prohibited, there would have been no need for the form, according to Gun Owners of America. Johnston told the Epoch Times the group also received other documents from its FOIA request, including notes and interviews from FBI field agents present during the signing of the forms. Some of the people threatened violence online, but they were determined not to be a danger after further investigation. Johnston said the FBI disarmed a high school student who wasn't even legal age to own a firearm for looking online for hacking advice on a school computer. The student told the agents he didn't even want to buy a gun, but he then signed away his right to ever buy one for the rest of his life. One of the 15 people was investigated by an assistant U.S. attorney who then declined to prosecute, according to Gun Owners America. The U.S. prosecutor wrote, the FBI believe the person does not appear to pose a threat to himself, others, or even the president at this time. Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican Tennessee, wrote on Twitter about the FBI documents. She said, you cannot sign away your constitutional rights despite what the FBI wishes. Under federal law, a person is prohibited from buying or owning firearms only if he or she has been adjudicated as a mental defective or committed to a mental institution. The self-submission form doesn't require either of these things to be true. I mean, it's just a big old mess. It's just a big old mess. Emily Miller. I can't read the whole thing. I got too much to do. Emily Miller over at the epictimes.com. FBI pressured people to give up their gun rights documents show. By the way, you may have to be a member of the epictimes.com to read it, but they don't charge anything. It's just a free membership. And it's well worth getting it. Okay? It's well worth getting it. Now, um, a lot of what we're looking at here, like the fact we're giving billions to um, Ukraine, but the inflation is so bad that the Biden administration is telling soldiers to uh, get food stamps. A lot of what we're looking at here is, um, well, you just kind of have to, if you take it for granted that the, the ruling regime is playing for the wrong team, then a lot of it starts to make sense, okay? By the way, Mike Davis said Biden DOJ is investigating non-crimes. Number one, just to remind you, Trump took his records when he left office as Presidential Records Act permits. Number two, anyone can question election results as First Amendment permits. Real reason they're doing what they're doing? Cover up the crossfire hurricane documents, punish their foes, and interfere in the November 2022 election. Yes, indeed. 
RNC research reminds us when President Trump tried to fill the Strategic Petroleum Reserve with oil at $24 a barrel, Democrats blocked him. Now Joe Biden wants to refill the reserve with oil at $80 a barrel. Yeah, something's messed up. Did you know that Facebook spied on private messages of Americans who questioned the 2020 election? Yep, Miranda Devine has a new article. New York Post. Might want to take a look at it. No one's saying, Holmes? Might be worth looking at. So, Julie Kelly has a new article over in American Greatness. And I frequently share her articles with you because I just feel duty-bound to tell you things that you're not hearing anywhere else. Article entitled, The Regime's Operation MAGA Fascist Gains Ground. She says, after nearly two years of lies related to the events of January 6, 2021, the regime finally has admitted the truth. The widening legal dragnet to scoop up Donald Trump, his associates, and his voters has nothing to do with a four-hour disturbance on Capitol Hill that afternoon. No, no. It is rather a thus far successful crusade to criminalize wrong think about the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. A barrage of subpoenas issued recently by the Department of Justice, U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia, Matthew Graves' office specifically, against Trump aides is not seeking information about the Capitol protest, but personal communication discussing what happened with the election and plans to fight the results. U.S. Attorney Graves wants records dating back to October 2020 constituting any evidence, A, tending to show that there was fraud of any kind in or relating to the, the 2020 presidential election, and or B, used or relied upon to support any claim of fraud in relation to the 2020 presidential election. Targets must produce correspondence detailing any strategies or options for ensuring the certification of Donald J. Trump. U.S. Attorney Graves also is demanding information about how Trump raised money from efforts to contest the 2020 election. Of course, this is what the January 6th hysteria has always been about. As the chaos unfolded on January 6th, Joe Biden and his apparatchiks immediately denounced believers of the so-called big lie, the claim the election had been rigged, if not stolen, by powerful interests who wanted nothing more than to defeat Trump, and vowed revenge would come swiftly. Julie Kelly says, I wrote on January 11th, 2021, the totalitarian company line is any suggestion that election fraud exists is tantamount to sedition. Americans who dare doubt the results, a popular political sport for Democrats over the past four years, are now vilified as insurrectionists and plenty of our fellow countrymen want it punished accordingly. Oh, how their dreams have come true. Nearly 900 Americans face criminal charges for mostly nonviolent participation in the Capitol protest. Lives have been destroyed, even ended. 
as a result of this cruel, vengeful prosecution recently rebranded the Capitol siege investigation by Graves' office. The weapons used in the first war on terror, secret surveillance, invasive investigation, armed raids, torture, and political prisons, to name a few tactics, have been aimed at Trump supporters across the country in a show of force and intimidation. Operation MAGA Fascist appears to be the commander-in-chief's unofficial name of the regime's war on terror against millions of Americans, which now is reaching a version of the Battle of Fallujah, but without the bloodshed, let's hope. The unprecedented FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago, August 8th, ratcheted up the fever of the war by a considerable measure, the regime's desired response. Political leaders and media figures over the weekend remembered 9-11 and equated that attack with the events of January 6th and another brazen comparison between murderous jihadists and Trump supporters, bragging that the West won the first war on terror. Senator Mark Warner, Democrat Virginia, on Sunday, urged Americans to unify in the same post-9-11 spirit to defeat what he calls election deniers and the insurgency that took place on January 6th. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas warned on the 21st anniversary of 9-11 that anti-government Domestic violent extremists now pose the greatest threat to the nation. Vice President Kamala Harris reminded Meet the Press host Chuck Todd she has taken an oath to protect the country from all enemies, foreign and domestic, on numerous occasions. Harris solemnly pledged, we know they can exist and must defend against it. The inflammatory rhetoric is provably false. Aside from January 6th, Mayorkas could only point to three recent mass shootings perpetrated by lone gunmen with no ties to Donald Trump as alleged examples, but serves the purpose of fueling the raging political fire. Democrats want nothing more than for MAGA terrorists, so-called, to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Far from trying to prevent political violence, the Biden regime is turning up the slow, steady burn, hoping for an event they can label Insurrection 2.0 before the midterm elections. Look no further than Biden's laughable Soul of the Nation speech in Philly. Screaming from a set drenched in red light, Biden devoted much of his angry address to those who still won't support his ill-begotten presidency. He ranted from the stage of Philadelphia's Independence National Historical Park, Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution, do not believe in the rule of law. They did not recognize the will of the people and refuse to accept the results of a free election. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. Biden claimed that MAGA Republicans embrace anger, thrive on chaos, and live in the shadow of lies, descriptions loaded with irony coming from an angry, inveterate liar who has thrown the nation into chaos. Without evidence, Biden further warned that MAGA Republicans have fanned the flames of political violence. Yet, that is precisely what Democrats hope to see as a consequence of fixating on January 6th. In just the next few weeks, the January 6th Select Committee 
will hold another primetime performance as it threatens to compel testimony from Trump and former Vice President Mike Pence. The seditious conspiracy trial of several Oath Keepers, an alleged militia group involved in the Capitol protest, will begin in Washington, D.C., and the committee's final report is set for an October 18th release, all to provide fodder to again show how Trump's base is populated with insurrectionists who tried to, quote, overthrow democracy, unquote. Now, with the possibility that a third party will scrutinize the Justice Department's assertions that classified documents were illegally housed at Trump's residence, House Democrats suddenly announced that the National Archivist staffers told Congress the agency isn't certain it has all required presidential records. Will this result in another raid of Mar-a-Lago or perhaps Trump's summer residence in Bedminster, New Jersey? But the mother of all bombs in Operation MAGA Fascist will detonate after a D.C. grand jury working in secret with Joe Biden's Justice Department hands down a criminal indictment against Donald Trump. It isn't a question of if that will happen, but when that will happen. Will Democrats drop the bomb before Election Day or after? How long can they drag out their dramatics before their own base turns on them? Either way, the goal is to stoke a political uprising in much the same way these interests accomplished what they wanted on January 6, 2021. It follows a familiar pattern of name-calling, false accusations, and blatant cover-ups in the reckless pursuit of power. One upside is that Joe Biden and the ruling class have a lousy track record in winning wars. This may end the same, but for now, there's little doubt these bloodthirsty warmongers are gaining ground. That's a great Julie Kelly over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, article entitled, The Regime's Operation MAGA Fascist Gains Ground. You've been listening to episode 240 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. Well, that's the way it is. Thursday, September 15th, 2022.